You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. God bless you ladies. Thank you so much. 2 Timothy chapter 2. God bless you for being here, church. I love you. Whether you've been a member here for since before I came or after I came or just recently, I love you very much. I prayed for you. Those of you who are new here, I'm just so thankful that you are here. And uh, I pray that the Lord will lead you to a church that you can be a part of where you can have a church family. Just throughout this last week, many of us were able to bring burdens one to another. And we knew that we were praying for one another and taking each other's name to the throne. I don't know how people live without a church home. So I pray that the Lord would lead you to one. I pray that the Lord would lead you here. I promise you a couple things. You'll be loved. You'll always be welcome. Your sin will not be welcome. Sinners do not find comfort here. They will find help here. But that's a good thing about church. It's not supposed to be a museum for perfect people. It's supposed to be a hospital for the hurting. I almost said hospital because that's, my, that's what my son says. This is bad. Oh, my goodness. 2 Timothy chapter 2 is not what I'm preaching this morning. It's why I'm preaching this morning. Verse 24, an instruction is given to preachers. The servant of the Lord must not strive. I'm not here to argue with you, and frankly, I don't have to, because I have the Bible. And the great thing about the Bible, it's like a lion. You don't have to defend it. You just have to let it loose, and it will do its damage. I don't need to argue, and I'm not going to argue. There's not time for that. I'm going to tell you what God's Word says, and it's your choice whether or not you're going to believe it or choose it. I'm not here to strive. I'm here to do this. Be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patience, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. If you're here and you're right with God, I want to solidify that. In gentleness, meekness, patience. If you're wrong, I want to try to change your mind, not by my argument, but by God's word. That's what repentance is. Change your mind and that they may recover. Step one, repent. Step two, recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. I'll tell you this. If you're not reading a King James Version right now, I'm reading from the King James Version. Verse 26 doesn't say that. It says something completely different. It changes the message. Listen to me. This is what the Bible says. There are people who have a wrong mindset. And there are people who need to change their mind according to God's word. And it's going to take preaching in order to do that. And when preaching is given, heard, and applied, you will be freed from the captivity of Satan over your life. That's why I'm preaching. I'll tell you what I'm preaching in just a little bit. Lord, bless the preaching of your word. Save the soul that's nearest hell. Revive backsliders. Call the prodigal home. Glorify your name by saving souls as you always have. Lord, do not let them go. If they leave here without you, let them leave without excuse and let it haunt them until they come to you. Do not let, do not let them go as you did not let me go so long ago. And please, those who are not right with you, those who right now, even though they are saved, are under the oppression and control of the devil, let them be freed. And we ask them this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm going to preach from Mark chapter 5. So you can turn there. And I have a lot of verses to read, and I wanted to be kind and let you sit while I'm reading it. Mark chapter 5. 
we have a story of somebody who's taken captive. Someone who is taken captive by Satan at Satan's will. Chapter 5 of Mark, verse 1. And they came over onto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come up out of the ship, he being Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. Okay, this is not a fairy tale. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. How does that happen? How, how does somebody, not everybody's as strong as me, how, how can somebody take the chains and, and break, and then the fetters that are around, I mean, what would it take just to take my watch and what, beat it on something, bite it, pry it off? Break metal in pieces. And what damage would that do to my body if I were to do that? And all, uh, neither could any man tame him at the end of verse 4. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Maybe that's how he got him off. Uh, uh, but then beyond that, even when they were off, he's, he's cutting himself. He's harming himself, mutilating himself. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Now, wait a second. Even the devils believe and tremble. Man is stubborn and foolish enough not to worship Jesus when he sees him. The devil is never so stubborn or foolish. He falls down and worship him, cries with a loud voice. Now, you need to notice something. Verse 8 actually takes place before verse 7. Okay? Because it, it says what happens in verse 7, and then verse 8 begins with the word for. So verse 7 is a response to verse 8. So let's read it, and you'll see what I mean. He cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou Son of the Most High God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, for Jesus said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So Jesus gets out of the boat. The man sees him, runs, worships. Jesus says, come out of him. And the response is, what have I to do with thee? Jesus, thou son of the most high God, please, I beg you, I beseech you, I adjure you, torment me not. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Is anybody getting confused by these pronouns? Who's the one talking? Is the man talking or are the demons talking? And that is the tragedy of this. And that's what the Bible is bringing out. The devils had taken over this man to where you cannot tell a difference between what the man wants and what the devils want. Possession. Possession. I own this. I control this. He besought them. Who, the man did or the demon spokesman? Both. He besought Jesus, do not send us away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000. That's a lot of devils, people. And were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled. Yeah, I'd say so. And told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him. I, I love this. That was possessed. Was possessed with the devil and had the lesion. Praise the Lord. When you see Jesus, you can have past tense sins. Amen. No, that's not my message, but it's pretty good. 
They see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray Jesus to depart out of their coasts. We would rather have this demon up, this demon possessed man up in the mountains driving us crazy than you. What have I to do with thee? Hmm. And when he was coming to the ship, and, and notice that Jesus never forces his way upon people. Leave. Sure. When he had come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. What a contrast. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. We learned from another gospel, he had been afflicted with devils for a long time. What kindness to say, Your friends, go home to your friends. See your friends. Hug your friends again. Kiss your friends again. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. We haven't even gotten to the preaching yet, but God's word is just so incredible. What a story. Now, listen, here I am burdened about what I see in our world. I'm burdened about what I see in our church. I do not just preach words. I do not just come up to say something. I have something to say, and usually it's based on a burden. Usually it's based on a fear. Usually it's based on a concern that if we continue, if you continue the way that you're going, you're going to be hurt. So I want to warn you of what can happen. Do you, do you know that since, whether you are young or old, healthy or sick, no matter what your skin color is, no matter what your education level or your net worth or your skill set, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. Since before you were born, the Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Where's thing one and thing two? Are they in here? Lindsay and Destiny? Junior church. That's right. I think it's Destiny that says, fearfully, certainly, when the Lord made me, he was, he was fearful of what he was doing. That's not what it means. It, it, it doesn't mean when you study the human, the, the, the eye, the mind, the, the realization that if everything in your body is not working like clockwork, it, it is an awe-inspiring thing. You are an awe-inspiring thing. There's nobody like you in the world and all these Facebook posts and all of that, okay? And, and, and to the world, you might be no one, but to someone, you might be the world and blah, blah, Hey, hey, the Lord fearfully and wonderfully made you for a purpose. For a specific purpose. And the purpose, if we just want to put a blanket on everybody, is to have abundant life. Abundant life. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 says we are to submit ourselves. We are supposed to put our lives on the altar of his sacrifice so that we can have his good and acceptable and perfect will for our lives. Since before you were born, God had people that he wanted you to meet. God had events that he wanted to take place. God had places that he wanted you to be. God had places that he wanted you avoid, to, to avoid. God had decisions that he wanted you to make in order to bring about a plan. Satan also has a plan for you. Satan also has a will for you. Will number one, take you to hell. If you are lost, 
you are right now under condemnation. If you have never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, I didn't say you believe in God. I didn't say you go to church. I didn't say you give. I didn't say you were baptized. If you have not trusted in Jesus and in Jesus alone, plus nothing minus nothing, you are lost. Listen, there's no in-between when it comes. I'm just going to preach it. There's no in-between. The Lord over and over says you're this or you're that. There is no in-between. There is no lukewarm. You're a sheep or you're a goat. You're saved or you're lost. You're in or you're out. You're for me or against me. There is no in-between. There is no gray area. And if you are lost, the devil right now is having his will to take you to hell. And if you are lost, you are at every moment in your life in danger of possession. Because you are his child. You are the devil's you are the devil's property. You are his child. He could at any point move in. If you are lost, you are right now in danger of possession. And what my message is going to show is many people who never would think they are, are. Well, what if I'm saved? He can't possess me. No, he can't. But he can oppress you. Satan wants to control your life, sir. He wants to control your life, ma'am. And he will possess you to take you to hell. If he can't take you to hell, he's not done with you. He will oppress you to bring hell to you. But he wants to control your life. And in this story, we see one of the ways how he does that. We see how he does it. And he works the same way today. He doesn't change his tactic. Why? Because he's not smart? No, because we're not smart and we don't learn. The same thing works over and over and over again. And my question is, do we realize, let me ask it this way, could it be that much of what we observe today in our life, could it be that much of what we deem normal in society is actually a result of Satan's will. Could it be that much of what we deem, that's just the way things are now, is actually a result of demonic possession and satanic oppression upon the saved and the lost? And if that is so, if that is so, if that is how it is, that's a fearful thing. That is a dangerous thing. That is a serious matter. And from what I see in this story that we just read, Satan is much more involved than I think we want to understand. I heard a preacher say, the America is blessed. I don't believe that we deal with spiritual warfare like we deal in other areas. And then he said this, if we do, it's more refined. He's so proud that he's humble too. So here's what I will say. It's not that the satanic and, and spiritual warfare in America is more refined. It's Little League. Brother Jack, you and I have been to foreign countries where we've seen the big guns as far as spiritual warfare is concerned. Here we don't see that. Why? Because America is so blessed? No, I don't think the devil needs to bring out the big guns with us. It takes much less. It takes much less to convince lost people and even saved people. What have you to do with Christ? If America was stronger spiritually, if we were stronger in our faith, I think we would see what we see in South America. I think we'd see what we see in Africa. We don't see it here, not because we're blessed, not because we're so refined. The devil doesn't, he's not worried. He'll send the big guns where he needs to send the big guns. I have three points about Satan's will. Number one, Satan's will is to destroy your life, okay? 
do people not understand that? That his will is to destroy your life. He's not a kitty cat that's cute and, and will bring you pleasure. He, he's a lion that is looking to devour you. Satan's will is to destroy your life. He's never there to make it better. If at any point your life is better because of Satan, it is only to ultimately destroy you. One time there was a cow wandering in the wilderness that came up to another cow that was behind a fence. The cow in the wilderness was kind of skinny and emaciated, and he talked to the cow behind the fence. And the cow behind the fence was fat and sassy. And the emaciated cow said, oh, I, don't, I don't have somebody who feeds me. Oh, my master feeds me every day. He takes very good care of me. The best food all the time fattens me up. And day after day, they would talk about how good this fat cow had it. Until one day, the fat cow wasn't there anymore. <laughs> Do I need to finish the illustration? Oh, how the devil fattens you up. We read about Ezekiel, a ship, a ship that is under Satan's employ. The best sails, the best wood, the best sailors, the, the best everything, but it sinks. But Satan had that crew thinking, you just need to care about the decoration. Look at the decoration of the ship. Don't care about the destination of the ship. Just care about the decoration. And how many times have you heard people say, yeah, I might be going to hell, but I'm going to have a party the entire time there. You read about the rich man who fared sumptuously every day, ate the best food in the best clothes, had it made in the shade, drinking Kool-Aid. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Sometimes the devil is very deceitful. And he will happily cradle you into hell by giving you riches and making you comfortable. But here in this story, there is no deceit. The veil is pulled back. Satan's will for your life is laid bare. What he wants to do to people and what he does to people. Why do you think I stand up here and scream? Because I like losing my voice and because I want to lose weight and I like burning calories. No, because there's a very real devil out there, Amanda, who wants to kill you. And I care about you too much. The devil kills people I love. And if you want to find some preacher out there who lets you play with him and won't say anything and just collect a paycheck, you go. You go, but not here. Satan wants to destroy your life. How did he destroy this man's life? How did Satan's control manifest? What did this man's life look like when Satan had his way? These are in no specific order, but first of all, what I see is the man lived an unclean life. Chapter 5, verse 2, an unclean spirit. And I observe today all over filthy speech, filthy jokes, filthy shows that people in church watch, filthy communication, filthy thoughts, filthy ideas, filthy music. Filthy actions, filthy dreams, filthy habits. Filthy spiritually, filthy mentally, filthy physically. The Lord made you to be a somewhat clean person. Oh, are you saying that everybody who lives in, in filth is, is demonically possessed? No, I'm, I'm not saying that. But I would say that would be more Satan's will for your life than God's will for your life. This man lived an unclean life. Here's what else I see. 
he was surrounded by death. That's where he felt the most comfortable. He had his dwelling in the tombs. I walk into Lowe's, and there's a 13-foot-tall skeleton singing a rock and roll song. Red eyes, next to him a witch, next to him this, oh, and the kids love it. Death. Oh, it's just a cute little holiday. Is it? If you, you want to be that naive, you want to be that naive, you know how many suicides happen on Halloween? You know how many sacrifices happen on Halloween? You know how many kids go missing on Halloween and are never found again? You know how many animals go missing on Halloween and are never found again? And you think it's all about candy. Horror movies. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Opening your mind to that. Christian, lost person, what are, what are you doing watching that junk? Why are you comfortable surrounded by death? God's will for your life? Or is something sinister oppressing you or possessing you? I love shows about serial killers. I'm sure Jesus put that in your heart. I love listening to true crime. Look, I love a good mystery. Scooby-Doo's great. You don't need to be listening to it. going to mess with your mind. Remember what I talked about with iniquity the other day? That inner capacity that we all have, and you have a Ted Bundy and you have a Jeffrey Dahmer who allow that iniquity to open, and you realize as soon as you listen, listen that these things are possible, it opens up doors in your heart's iniquity that you never would have thought of before. What puts into a teenager's mind to grab a rifle and walk into a school and shoot up children. Video games? Movies? Where they watch, oh, this is possible. And what does the news do? Blast it everywhere! No, I'm not saying they need to Temperate, if you're going to show anything, show the person hooked up to an electric chair. Flip the switch, and I think you, oh, that sounds real cruel. No, cruel is shooting up an elementary school. Why don't you show the punishment? Oh, but they're sick in the mind. That's the problem. That is the problem. We have redefined sin as illness, so we think it requires therapy and not repentance. Surrounded by death, dwelling among the tombs. So that's why the devil has no problem with you being involved in a dead religion and a dead church. You know what else? He was angry. He was an angry person. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 8, he was exceeding fierce so that nobody could pass by. Temper. Temper. Chip on the shoulder. Nobody can get close to you because they never know when you're going to just set off. Oh, well, that's just who I am. Who made you that way? Could it be Satan has something to do with that? It did here. It did here. And nobody can get close to you. Oh, except Matthew chapter 8 says there were actually two. There were two demon-possessed men. One of them gets right. One of them doesn't. 
And you know what that shows me? There are some, when Satan has his way, you are so angry, no one can get close to you except somebody else who is just as angry as you are. That's the only person you'll let in. He lived a lonely life, separated from home, divided family. The Bible says in Luke, he was driven by the devil into the wilderness, away from home, away from friends, away from everybody else. Isolated, alone. And what does the devil want to do? Disrupt the family. Get the person alone. Because that's when he does his best work. He watched when Eve would be away from Adam. I'll preach more tonight about division in a family. That's what the devil wants. Here's what else I see. He was uncontrollable. They bound him with fetters and chains and he would break them. Nothing, no man could tame him. Oh, nobody's ever bound you with chains, but you've tried every medication possible and nothing works. Oh, that's different. No, it's not. No, it's not. Pharmaceutical chains, metal chains, whatever you want to call it, I see uncontrollable people, uncontrollable temper, uncontrollable lust, uncontrollable desires, uncontrollable dreams. Kids in the, kids in the grocery store, uncontrollable. Adults who are told no, uncontrollable. No, no, there are taxpayers who are not going to pay for your gender reassignment surgery. Uncontrollable rage. We think that the election was stolen. Uncontrollable rage. And if you were going to shake your head about the reassignment surgery, you better shake your head about Republicans, Democrats, anybody who wants to cause insurrection. Uncontrollable. No amount of counsel, no amount of therapy, no amount of space. We pipe to you, you don't dance. We mourn with you and you don't, you don't weep. Satan makes you too happy to cry and too sad to dance. And no matter what the pastor, no matter what the youth pastor, no matter what your spouse, no matter what your kids, no matter what your family tries to do, nothing works with you. Nothing works with you. You're uncontrollable. And you argue all day that Satan has nothing to do with that. Ooh, this next one. What did it look like when Satan had his way with this man? He was naked. He took his clothes off. He wear no clothes. Yeah, I believe it's a problem. Yeah, I believe it's satanic. When men and women alike can't keep their clothes on. When Satan first brought sin into the world, what did the people realize? We're naked. And they had enough common sense and decency back then to cover up. At Mount Sinai, when they got away from the Lord, they took their clothes off. Read your Bible. They took their clothes off. When Peter said, I go a fishing, I'm going back to what I used to do before I met Jesus. They, John sees Jesus on the shore and says, it's the Lord. And the Bible says this, Peter girt his fishing coat about him for he was naked. When Jesus told the, the government, this is your hour and the power of darkness. And Satan had his way. You know what Satan did to our Lord? He stripped him naked. Every time Satan has his way with you, he's going to take your clothes off. Sir, ma'am, cover your body. This immodesty is straight of the devil. And the Bible says nakedness starts at the thigh 
you cover from here to here. Oh, it's just me expressing myself. I believe it's satanic possession or oppression. Because the Lord isn't telling you to take your clothes off. Oh, there was one time when the Lord told his prophet, my people are about to live in Satan's country, and I want you to foretell it by taking your clothes off because that's what they're going to do to you. When Nebuchadnezzar came in and took him captive, he marched the Jews into Babylon naked. How about this one? When Satan had his way, the man hurt himself. He cut himself with stones. And we see a constant cutting. People who wear long sleeves in the middle of the summer. There was a young lady at camp in the middle of summer, always long sleeves. I want to know why. Tattoos. Piercings. Now, ladies, they're, they're, they talk about earrings in the Bible. And, okay, and earrings are fine, but earrings are like sneezes, okay? One is fine. <laughs> two is, uh, two we'll deal with. Three or four or five in a row, that's annoying. And I definitely don't like when people look like they went up to a tackle box and... <laughs> <laughs> You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. Maybe I shouldn't watch it, but one time there was a, there was a video that came up of a man getting a tattoo, a grown man, uh, like Lewis's size. Lewis, stand up. Lewis, stand up. He's getting a tattoo on his arm. But no, he's, thank you, Lewis, you can stand down. But, uh, but no, he's got to have the picture of a mountain with the yin-yang on it because life's a journey. Nobody cares. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. Social media. No interaction with other people, no real relationships, no real interaction. You can sit at a table with your family and not say a word, not go two minutes without. You're hurting yourself. No, you're not cutting yourself with stones. I think you're doing much worse. He was causing external damage. You're causing internal the shows that you watch, gluttony, you're hurting yourself. Anorexia and bulimia, you're hurting yourself. Oh, but I have to keep my image. <laughs> Lady and man alike, if, if, if eating, if, if eating, just eating, I'm not talking about blah, 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 blah. I, I'm not, if, if eating makes you big, be big. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I eat, I eat plenty. I don't, I, I don't, I don't. I try, I don't. Don't hurt. When the devil has control over somebody, you hurt yourself. Drugs, smoking, drinking, pornography, fornication, the diseases that come with it, surgery, because I don't like how I look, filters, because I don't like how I look. You're hurting yourself. Here's the next one. Notice all the distractions, by the way. When Satan has control over somebody's life, beyond making them unclean, surrounded by death, angry, lonely, uncontrollable, naked, and self-harming. Make, he makes you fear the Savior. What have I to do with thee? You know what that means? What are we supposed to accomplish together? 
That's what that man was asking Jesus. How do we mesh? How will we be reconciled? What business do we have together? Now, that was the devil's talking, but the devil's influence that man, affected that man. Satan's will was to keep that man afraid of Christ. He has no business with you. You have no business with him. You have nothing in common, no way to reconcile. The only business that Christ has with someone like you is torment. Don't torment me. Christ, don't torment me. Savior, don't torment me. Now, he'll allow false Christs. He'll allow fake churches. He'll allow you to play religion. But any church that you come across, any Bible that you come across, any book that you come across, any truth that you come across that will threaten his control over you, you have nothing to do with that. You have nothing to do with that. Leave it alone. He's only there to torment you. Torment? Do you think Jesus, the one who came to serve and love and heal and teach, came to torment you? The one who died on a cross with you in mind? Do you think he came to torment you? The one who could have called 12 legions of angels to wipe you out? Do you think he came to torment you? Torment? I could never come to Christ. He's going to change this. He's going to do this. He's going to make me miserable. He's going to keep me from this. He's going to keep me from that. And I'm going to have to change this and change that. Yeah, you're going to. Torment? You call that torment? Here's what I actually see. The devil made him unclean. Here's what Jesus says. If you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Here's what Jesus says. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah, when he came face to face with the Lord, he said, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And here's what God does. He sends an angel to grab a live coal and touch his lips. And he says, your iniquity is purged. Now, can I use you? Satan's will, unclean. Jesus' will, clean. Satan's will, surrounded by death. Jesus talks about a living word, a living church, a living God, a living way, life more abundantly. Satan's will, angry. No one can pass by. And then in Mark chapter 5, verse 20, after Jesus is done with him, all men came around him and marveled. He was kind. He was approachable. He was influential. God even used his past to give him a future. Amen. Satan's will, lonely, separated from home, divided family, always arguing even though you live together, sleep in the same bed, you're miles away. That's Satan's will for your life. Jesus' will, go home to your friends. He says in Luke, return to thy house. Be together again. Restore what has been lost. Do you not want that in your family? Do you not want that in your home? Unity, not division. Satan's will, uncontrollable. When Jesus got done, sitting. Satan's will, naked. Jesus, Clothed. Satan's will, cutting himself with stones. Jesus' will, in his right mind. And the public was more afraid of that than when Satan had his will. Torment. That's what Satan does, not what the Lord does. So you tell me, lost person, you know that you're on your way to hell. You know that you're Satan's. You tell me, are you happy? You tell me, are you happy? I'm telling you, come to Christ, and, you, and, and the, something inside you is saying, don't do that. It'll be torment. Torment? Torment. 
Look at your life now. You're naked, you're uncontrollable, you're angry, you're lonely. Are you happy? Are you happy? And maybe you say, yeah, I am. Okay, all, all right, all, all right. Let's say you are happy in Satan's care, even until you are dead. What about after? You're rich. Are you going to use that money in hell? You're beautiful. Is that going to get you somewhere in hell? You got a big house. Are you going to live in it in hell? You got a fancy car. You going to drive it in hell? You have a degree. Are you going to argue your way out of hell? Even if you are happy, how long is it going to last you? But are you happy? You know what I see with this man? When he was in Satan's will, night and day, crying. Night and day, crying. And yet when he came to the Savior, the devils told him, he only wants to torment you. He only wants to torment you. He only wants to torment you. Stay away, stay away, stay away, stay away, stay away. Torment? You tell me, saved person, who the devil is oppressing, which, by the way, you've let him in. You've let him in in some way. You've let him into your home. How did you let him in? The movies you watch, the music you listen to, the books that you read, the secrets that you keep, the words that you say. Someone left the door open somewhere. The devil does not get into a saved person's home unless the saved person says, come on in. So if he is oppressing you, how did you let him in? How did you let him in? And remember, I'm back on the pews again. Remember, it's been a month since I cut, since I cut my foot. This is fun. Remember that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when Jesus says to even 2,000 demons, come out. Woo! Yes, sir. Torment? No, torment is what you're suffering now. Torment is what you're suffering now. Are you happy now? Save person who is oppressed under Satan's power. Because Satan's will is to destroy your life. Good news. Satan's will must bow to Christ's power. No matter how possessed, there's a stronger man. There's a stronger man. Oh, I'm bound by a strong man. There's a stronger man. And as soon as he says, come out, he's got to come out. He's got to come out. You can be delivered through Jesus Christ. I do not believe in Satan's power to possess more than I believe in Jesus' power to deliver. First John 3, 8. For this cause, the Son of Man was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. <laughs> I like that. No matter how oppressed you are, his light dispels the dark. Satan has a will, so does Christ. And he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And what is my job? What is my job? Show you what the Bible says. So that peradventure God will give you repentance so that you may recover yourself out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Two wills set before you this morning. Unclean, clean. Angry, kind. Surrounded by death, abundant life, eternal life. Lonely, home. Family. Blood family or a church family. Uncontrollable, calm, naked, clothed, hurting, right mind, sad, joyful. But Satan's argument, Christ only wants to torment you. One day without Christ, torment will be yours. Because if you're going to follow Satan's will, you're going to follow Satan's wage. But not today. No torment today. He's not here to torment today. He's here to save today. He's here to forgive today. He's here to welcome today. He's here to heal today. He's here to turn today. He's here to change today. He's here to accept today. And how do I know that? How do I know that? Because the story of the maniac 
in Matthew chapter 8 and Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 8. In each, if you go just a little before the story starts, Jesus says something very interesting. Let's go to the other side. Jesus knew that man was there, and he went searching for him. Could it be that the Lord brought you here today to give you repentance so that you could restore? But wait a minute. There was another demon-possessed man in Matthew. He didn't get it. And there was an entire city of gathering, uh, entire city filled with citizens who said, leave. And Jesus said, okay. Satan's will is to destroy you. Satan's will must bow to Christ's power. Christ's will will never force you. Whosoever will may come. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest unto your souls. And they said, we will not. You see Satan's will. You see Christ's will. What's yours? What will you choose? Whose will will you choose? Perhaps you're saved, but you're oppressed and you know it. You've let him in. Repent to recover. If you're lost, you are right now, it, at the very least, in danger of being possessed. At the very most, you are. But I'm introducing you to a Savior who the moment you say, Jesus, help me, will tell Satan, come out so I can move in. And I invite you to do it today. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.